Welcome back to the Failing Forward podcast with Nikki Loesch. I'm excited to introduce you guys to one of my newest friends. We actually just met on the streets of Clubhouse. We were in this random room talking about, I don't even know what, and somehow someone that was in the room was like, oh, wait, that girl that has a last name is that same guy that played for the Cardinals. I'm like, yes, Kyle Loesch, that's my husband, but yeah. you got to remember like, I am me and there's something about me that attracted him to me. I'm not, I'm more than my last name. And she messages me on the side. She's like, girl, I love you. (laughs) Like, I'm like, yes, we are more than our last name. I'm an athlete's wife too. And I was like, okay, we got to hook up. And we just started to talk. And I started to really find out about our guest today's passion project. And I'm just so excited to introduce you all to Milani Ismael. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. Wonderful meeting you and getting to see you face to face. Your spirit is very big in, it was so big in the room in the best way. Like, and I love the fact that you spoke up in that moment because I, obviously I wouldn't have known, um, but the one line that you said, it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, I just talked, I had just gotten off the phone with another wife, athlete's wife. And I know she doesn't mind if I say her name, but her name's Pat Smith, she's married to Emmett Smith. And um, we literally said the same exact thing. And, and I was like, oh my God, that's like a moment. So I felt like it was like a confirmation. So I was like, I need to let her know that that was such an impactful statement she made. I love that. It was very serendipitous. It's serendipitous. Yeah. There's no such thing as coincidence. It's all coinciding events. And like you said, yeah. it's little nuggets where God's saying, okay, yes, you're on the right track. You're exactly where you're yeah. supposed to be. So yes. on today's podcast, I really want to highlight you. Like who is Milani? Because obviously I feel that a lot of girlfriends and wives that are dating or married to athletes, they kind of fall to the side. It's like, okay, there is, there is she, but it's all focused on him, but I want to highlight you. And I also want people to see the world and life through your eyes, both from before you met Rocket, and then also while you were with him, while he was in his playing days and fast forward to now that he's retired, how you've really come into yourself. So let's start the conversation there. Who was Milani? Where did it all start? And then tell me about the Milani during the playing days. Okay. So I grew up in Los Angeles and I was a very, very good barber by the time I was about 10 years old. So that gift took me into the entertainment realm. So people start, my name got around and I started doing videos and I knew that I really loved music and the music space. So that was like everything for me. I was like, I'm gonna be an A&R, you know, my counterparts were P Diddy and this one and that one. I was right in the midst of the nineties of music. And so that was my dream. I was, I was on that path and I met my husband. So after about five years of just grinding it out in the industry, um, I met my husband and eight months later, we got married. I was just turning 23 years old. And it was the most shocking PTSD moment that it really was like, I didn't think I, I don't know that either one of us were really ready for something so big. And we didn't know like what was ahead of us. So, you know, I think a year after we were married, I found out I was pregnant. So I was going on our first baby 
Uh, the Raiders had switched to a whole nother state, which they love to move around. They just do. So they moved. And so I had to relocate within that year to go to Oakland. But it was like the players, nobody had moved there yet. So they had the players there and we were here and it was like this back and forth thing. So we really didn't like my son, it was just me and him, you know, Robert was playing. And so less than three months after that, he got traded to Carolina. So we pack up everything. So we've moved like two times in less than a year, major moves. So Across then it's like, oh, the country. Yes. Okay. With now newborn. Listen, now it's Carolina. And, you know, no family, you know, just really a lot of like shock, shocks to the system because I had one plan of what I expected my life to be. And this was put everything down. And now you're going to follow him and whatever he does, that's just your life. That's what you do. And so we moved to Carolina and three years later, we moved again. We ended up with the Cowboys. And once again, it was just like shock, no family, no friends, no people. And by that time I'm going on our third baby. So we move here and I think our third, our daughter Kiana, she was uh, maybe three months. So it was just probably the, all of the football playing days, that's what they look like to me. Just one consistent blur of movement um, trying to get settled, trying to figure it out and babies every 20 months. Like I literally like on the clock, 20 months, 20 months, 20 months, 20 months. And then the fourth baby, we lost that baby. And then, uh, about a year and a half after I got pregnant with my fourth. So, you know, I look back over that time and it really was just kind of like something I have to look back on because I was in the thick of it. So it, it was something I had to like say, oh, okay, I see what was going on there. But when I was in it, it was like literally survival mode. Um, and, you know, we didn't, because of the nature of the sport, some people kind of understand early on, be in the moment we were just like, oh God, we got to move again. Oh God. And it's, it's, there's a lot of stress. And with football, there's a lot of injuries. So my husband was dealing with injuries. I would say from the time he was, that I knew him, it was one th little thing, little thing. So he was spending off seasons, getting well enough to go do it again, getting well enough to go do it again. So um, his last year, uh, and we were still on, under contract, but the season before our contract was coming to an end, he broke his neck. Yeah. And he was paralyzed on the field and it was, it was very wow. like, it was, it was rough. He was 32 years old. Wow. And it was just, just something that's just instant. You, you know, there's no way to prepare for it. Right. So we went through that period was uh, like the convalescent period, if you will, where it's like, okay, let's figure out all of what goes with this. He did regain, you know, use of his limbs, thank God. And we walked through that, but it, you know, it had after effects. And 
So I would say for us, it wasn't just this easy, laid back, make a lot of money. It was really traumatic, I think, for both of us uh, walking through it, not really, he didn't really reach out to like other people to say, hey, you know, what do I do here? What do I do here? So we were just trying to figure it out. So in the midst of that, um, in 2000, when we got here to Texas, I started a record label because I mean, my dreams, I was like, okay, I have my babies, it's time, I wanna do my thing, I really miss music. You know, my friends are winning Grammys and Oscars and everything else and I gotta get back to it. Oh my gosh, my timing was horrible. I had four stair-step children and this big massive dream and my husband was kind of coming off of his career. And so what's funny is we had done an album with him and two other guys and HBO was doing Hard Knocks or whatever the show they do. They were supposed to interview my husband about the music and the record label the day he broke his neck. Oh my goodness. Horrible. It was just oh like, goodness. you know, and obviously I wasn't thinking about the interview. I didn't care. It was like, oh my God, let me figure this out. So that album just never, it just never came out because we spent the next year just focused on his healing and transitioning out of football, which he didn't know if he was gonna do at the time. And then, you know, I kept the label open, but one of the issues was, it was just a massive business. It wasn't like this small thing. It was, you know, there were people on the payroll and marketing and all these pieces. And I felt very responsible for people's livelihood. Right. So it's like, I'm trying to manage my family, run a major thing over here, manage what's happening with him. And so in, in 2006, um, I had just finished our big project where we put, I put time and effort. And I was like, okay, this is the one, this is gonna get me back all my money. I just lost on that album. It was just like, I was playing catch Talk up. Talk about that. Like tell people about that. Cause some people are like, oh, I don't want to start a business. It's going to be so hard. Or I've been burned by businesses before. Like I think the majority, if not every single successful business owner has started a business, failed, mm -hmm. lost money, had to figure out how to regain that money or make that pivot. Right. So yeah. tell the audience, like, what does that look so like? So that was hard because I knew that I needed to go home. I knew that the timing, and that's the thing about a business, especially for mothers mm -hmm. that I'll say, if you are a mother and a wife, timing is really important. And we put so much pressure on ourselves to perform and not knowing the reason it's not working is timing. It's not you. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. It just means that you're like for, I'll say for me, my children were really small and they needed me. So it was like, okay, here's your dream over here. And you left it for this period of time. Now it's time to address it but then you got these little bitty bambinos and it's like, and I, and in, in honesty, I would work really hard all day. And I would literally cry in the car on the way home because I knew that I missed tucking them in, or I knew I was getting there after dinner, even though I provided, made sure somebody was here, dinner was there. But I mean, I was miserable. 
I was happy and miserable at the same time. So you're I'm doing what I love. Moment. So as a mom, it's like, oh, man. you're it was feeling this one side of you, your identity, right? Your dream. But then there's this other side of you. That's like the nurturer. I want to be there for my children. I want to yeah. see every single moment. And I can relate to that. And I think there's a lot of moms, especially if you're you were an independent woman before you had children and yes. you're, you were very in control of your schedule, doing the things that you wanted to do when you wanted to do it. And then we have kids and it's not that we don't love our kids, but we're stuck yes. in this place of how can I be the best mother for them, but mm -hmm. still not lose my essence and my love and my passion. Cause I don't want to regret or resent yeah. my new role. And it's confusing. And I am going to tell the truth because you said you wanted to hear the truth. So I'm going to tell you, I had to forgive myself because there are still moments that well up every now and then because I'll see a picture and I wasn't there during that time of the record label. And like that was hard for me because I beat myself up a lot. But then I realized that um, you, you could be the perfect mom. You could make every single game, whatever it is, and you still would have a moment that you missed. Yeah. You still would have, because that's, that's life. You know what I'm saying? And you can't be everywhere and everything and everything to everybody all the time. So it's like, you have to give yourself grace and you have to give yourself grace to make mistakes and to find out what it was you did that you could do differently. And what's funny is all my children are phenomenal entrepreneurs. Like they were watching me the whole time. All four of them are like, they just have this natural entrepreneurial spirit. And I know like they sat, they watched. And so it doesn't, it, it hurt back then, but it blesses me to see like they understood and they understand and they're doing it now. And they're experiencing these things now. So when they decide, okay, I'm going to be married, they'll be able to say, oh, I, I went after this. I went after this. And my mom taught us how to run a business and set things up or whatever. But um, that said, my the second album we did, I got a call to go to LA. And I'm not trying to bring the mood down, but my dad died suddenly. Like, that was like, Boom. I was like, okay, wait a minute. And that was the moment going through that was harder than facing my employees and saying, listen, I gotta take a break. You know, I gotta take some of this pressure off of myself to be this superwoman and to perform. Like sometimes you can be Wonder Woman and sometimes you just gotta be just your, you, you know, Diana, what's her name? <laughs> you just gotta be Diana and take the seat. Right. You know, you know, when to put the, put the crown on, you're running through the field and I got it. You know, we, we all have that in us, but there are moments you gotta fall back. And I think that was, I know that was God's way of saying, you're not really listening to yourself right now. You're concerned about everybody else but you're suffering and you're, you are doing so much for other people. And that was like, it, you know, nobody wants to go through trials on that level, but sometimes those trials are the things that make you who you are. And that one in particular, it was bittersweet. It was, it was the most painful thing to lose my father 
but it was the best thing to gain my family and myself back. And during that time, I was mourning my father. A friend of mine called me in, the, she's in the music industry. And she said, hey, you know, I could use some help with some stuff. I did more working with her at my home in my grief and in my sadness. I got more joy out of just working with her in that moment because I, I was able to do everything that I wanted to do and use every gift, but in a better way. There was no pressure. I could get up when I wanted to. So God knew um, that I needed to exercise my gifts that he gave me, but I needed to do it where I could interact with my family. I could make sure my husband was cool. There was no, so he knew the perfect scenario. So my scenario was, I got to have this big, bad business. Yeah. I got to have a big record label. I got to have a sign-up run. He was like, you don't need any of that right now. I'm going to show you how to get the same thing. And you're not going to, it's not going to cost you your family. Mm -hmm. So that was like my moment. I think for me, it was hard to, to let the quote unquote dream, like, like put it on the altar, so to speak. Yeah. But in my willingness to put it on there reluctantly, <laughs> he gave me something back that I didn't know I needed, which was the whole picture. And, you know, and to be able to, when I see women, especially in, in the space that we're in, and I'll see young wives and I know the struggle when I see it. And I can, I can see them disappearing into the background and being disrespected and dealing with all that comes with it. And just feeling like, what about me? And, and the crazy thing is people from the outside, they have the, the mentality. Sometimes I'm not talking about everybody. I'm just saying what I've seen. You got everything. You got nothing to complain about. Mm -hmm. You should be blah, 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 blah. Not understanding that money and that's not going to fix. Everybody has a dream or goal or something right. that feeds their spirit. And so, you know, this, this, this is a person on the other side of this and nobody likes to feel invisible. I don't care who you are or who you're married to. Nobody, uh, every person on the face of this earth values validation and will look for it somewhere. I don't care if you're Elon Musk or, you know, just the, the janitor, you, you want to be seen, you want to be respected. And this is what I do and I do it well. And so, um, you know, when I see that and I see like the, the, the wives, when they do speak up, a lot of times they get attacked for speaking up. They get judged for speaking up and they'll shrink back again and say, well, you know, yeah, I should be grateful. I shouldn't say anything. I should just, you know, but that's why it was so important when you said what you said, I literally was about to call my girlfriend. <laughs> I was like, you will not believe what this girl just said, but you said it and it didn't have venom or bitterness attached because that's the other side some wives become so bitter because they've been, you know, maybe it's just them or maybe they were mistreated or they don't have a husband that's supporting them and saying, hey, your dream is important too. You've been following me all over the country and, you know, you got to adapt to my lifestyle and you, nobody knows your name, by the way, because yeah. you are such and such as wife and you kind of just take it 
but then there's that that there's there's that moment where you say hey you know i'm here you know i get that you love my husband and i love that you love him cuz i love him too but in this moment there's something specific that i want to say and i feel like if you hadn't have said that it was so important for you to say that because number one there was another wife listening who understood but there were probably so many women on that stage that were like whoa that is empowering like it's okay for me to speak up and not be looked at like i'm you know yeah whatever name they right. have at the moment yeah. So I appreciate it. I know I talked a lot, but I think no, I, I love it. it. And I love it because you're oh painting a picture. Like a lot of people don't understand the other side. They just see, oh my gosh, like high level executives or athletes, they live these glamorous lives, these big houses and designer this and fancy that and all the things. But what they don't realize is if you really put yourself in the shoes of the other person, right? So in this case, the wife of the athlete, a lot of people don't see the world through our eyes. They don't see that we're having children and raising children by ourselves while our husbands are practicing every single day from sunup to sundown. They're training, they're doing all the things they have to do. They're traveling, right? And mm -hmm. like, I, I know in baseball, I don't know if it's like this in football, but the husbands, they travel with the team on a team plane. The wives yeah. are flying Southwest with yeah. all the luggage, right. and all the car seats and right. all the kids. And you're just like, I have five suitcases. I have four kids and I'm going in this airport. And they're like, Oh ma'am, do you need help? Is your husband? It's like, my husband's on a team plane. Like, I don't know right. about you. I'm just right. trying to get to the hotel right, right. now. Right? right. And people right. don't see that. And then when you get to like, when you get to the stadium, when you get to the ballpark, you, you're literally just trying to like, it's like survival. Like you said, that was the yeah. best way to put it. And yeah. all those years that they're playing, it's just you trying to keep up and trying mm -hmm. to keep everything on lock and trying to keep yourself like feeling happy and whole. It's not that they're disregarding us. It's just that they're highly focused on their craft because it's short playing years. And we yeah. have to keep reminding ourselves that we're not in this alone. We are loved. We are valuable. You know, like we do matter because yeah, you show up to the stadium, you show up to the ballpark and it's like, all right. And who are you? And you're like, hi, Lush. <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. Family section. And I was like, right. Oh, okay. Right. Go, right. Right. So right. it's like, and people don't see that they don't recognize that. So I, I love that you shed light on that side that you let people step into your shoes and see what it looked like for all those playing years while rockets out there. Like everyone knows rocket. I mean, I yeah. said his first name and my husband's like, oh yeah, I know who he is. He's like going through yeah. all the things. I'm like, how do you guys do that? But that right. is our lives. Right. And on the other side, there's a woman, right? The woman behind the man that's keeping everything in order so that he can go out there and perform at the highest level. So I appreciate you for saying that. There was something that you said that really caught my heart. And I know that there's a mother right now who's listening that probably it caught her heart too. And you said it with such grace, but um, I want to make sure that we, we don't skim over it. You had three children and your fourth child, you actually lost before having your, your, your fifth really, which is your four current children, right? Can you talk to the woman that's listening? That's gone through loss of that extent and how you got through that? Cause this podcast is failing forward. Right. And I know there's, right. I mean, a friend of mine literally just lost her baby this last week and I can't relate to her because that hasn't happened to me, but I heard you say it. And I was like, okay, God, thank you. You're helping me right now. Pass the message right. on to the woman that's listening. Um, 
it's it's funny. I don't. Um, there are moments where I get like I don't know a bit teary eyed. Um, I haven't had a lot of this. I haven't had a lot of these moments because uh, I didn't think about it a lot. I think now that I'm feeling it, it, I think God shielded me because he knew like, I've got so much, like I can't go in like this deep hole about it. So I think for that, you know, it's, it's interesting. My husband was much more heartbroken and I, and I didn't really feel the, the, I didn't feel it to be honest when it, when it happened. I remember my dad, when I told him, I was like, I'm pregnant. He, this was the craziest thing. My dad was a pastor. He had a look on his face, like he wasn't happy. And I don't know if he felt something. It's really strange. I just, okay. I think he would be happy. He was happy about it, you know, but um, I always felt like possibly there was something wrong. There was something going on in my body that I wasn't going to be able to carry the baby. I, this may sound crazy, but I, I almost feel like it was the best thing and God knew it um, because I had had babies back to back and I was pretty weak. So my, my physical, I felt weak, like my back was weak. You know, it was just a lot going on with me physically. And I was like, oh my God, can I carry another child right now? And so, you know, I think it was just one of those things where I, I resolved it rather quickly in that moment to say, God, you know what you're doing. And I just walked right on through it. And then I had another, we had another child, but I find myself now, I feel it more than I did back then. And I, I really think it's just because I just couldn't spiral down. I, I, I've got three already. And if it's one on the way and everything that's going on in our home, it was like I had a resolve and I was like, okay, keep going, keep going, Mel. And then probably maybe 10, so guys, it's been 10, 10, some, it's been over 10 years. I was at, yeah, because my son, my youngest is at 19. So it's a long time ago, but <laughs> I find myself having emotion now mm. and processing now. Yeah. Like I said, when you said it, it was like, I, I was like, oh, hold it. Hold you it. felt it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, don't just burst out crying, but I feel it. I feel it now. So, you know, my, my prayer is for any woman that goes through that, that, that God would just give you the grace to go through it. And if your mourning is now, then he will comfort you right now. And if your mourning is later, he'll comfort you later. And don't feel like, because maybe for me, where I wasn't like boo-hoo and all over the place, I was still hurt but it wasn't time for the grief. Yeah. But then I've had other things where the grief was instant. So I just feel like God knows what we can handle and what we can bear. So that's, you know, his name would have been justice as far as I'm concerned. Oh, he has that. a name. I love that so much. <laughs> so I'm going to look for him in heaven. Him. I'm going, I'm, he's be the yes. first person I go to and say, I know who you are. So that, that. Uh, and, and you guys will forever be connected. And I love oh, what yeah. you said in 
God knew that at that moment you were not ready to take on that sorrow, that sorrow, that grief, yeah. that mourning that mm-hmm. you needed some time mm-hmm. in order to process everything else that was going on with three mm-hmm. other littles and everything that was happening in your family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a yoga teacher, we always talk about the different parts of our body, right? So a lot of the things that we've gone through, or if we've experienced any sort of trauma, it actually gets stored down in our hips and we hold it there. And then, so if you, if you got to go through it already, well, you went through it and it's now passed on. So we don't hold it inside of us physically, but for a lot of us, if we're holding tension in our hips and our low back, it's oftentimes because something happened that we weren't ready to work through that we store down in our body. So when those emotions come up, we have to, we have to let them come up. We have to let them express themselves and to sit in it and breathe through it so that we can release the tension Mm. from our body. So as Mm. you're now starting to go through that, that might be something interesting to kind of to play with when you're starting to feel that be like, am I feeling this coming up from within me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I talk about it. That's probably only the second time that I felt a little bit of something say, whoa, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a beautiful share. And I just, when you said that, I was like, okay, speak to the woman she's listening right now. And that hit her. And she's like, how did she get through that? How did she get to where she is today? I need to know that story. So fast forward rockets now retired, right? So (laughs) now Milani can step into wife or mother or passion, purpose, dream. Mm-hmm. What happened after that? So I think, um, so after he retired, just the transition of retirement period, because, you know, guys, they, the guys go through a lot. They have that camaraderie their whole life. And then all of a sudden that's gone. And I think I'm glad that for us, the NFL has started to NFL legends and other things that reach out to guys and connect them back to that piece. Because without that piece, I definitely saw the difference in my husband. He was depressed. He was not himself. Um, And I didn't know then what it was, but it was just like, he was just in this, this dark space of not wanting to be bothered with anybody, this isolation. And so my time really was, was spent in that season of our life, just trying to help my family, like manage what was life after football was that look like. And it wasn't until for him, he connected back with the, the programs and said, okay, and he start helping other guys transition. It's like he became himself again. And the weight of everything wasn't on me because for a while I did feel like oh my god the weight of all of this feels like it's on me to figure out family stuff figure out you know whatever and so I I've always from the time I was 10 years old I've had a business that is just the spirit that God put in me I don't apologize for it anymore um I had a I was cutting hair at 10 years old charging a dollar I mean it was always so I've never not been without some type of project, whether I would, oh, doing a film right now. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Okay. Doing this, doing this. And I would find, find a way to tie in the children, tie everything in. Um, but I just, 
I did not feel fulfilled in doing all of that. And people would look at the outside and go, oh my God, you did that? You did a show? You did this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I knew that somewhere I wasn't addressing my purpose. I was having a really difficult time getting to, well, what's my purpose? You know, so I started going to all these um, conferences and church stuff. And like, I'm in every line, I'm buying all the little books and the, you know, everything. And I'm like, something is still missing. So fast forward, did all those, you know, like I said, always had some type of gig business because my creative brain is always working. Um, I shut down and I, I fasted for 30 days. I said, I'm not going to do any projects. I'm not doing anything. Don't call me. I'm not doing it. And I, the end of the fast, I said to myself, okay, if you could do anything and money was no object, you had no boundaries, no barriers, no nothing, what would it be? And I was like, oh, I'd have a church. Totally. I'm a preacher's kid. I'd have a church, but my church would be different. I'd have a fun factory. Like people would come, <laughs> I don't know how I put them two together, but it was like, I, I connected God and fun. and was like, when I was growing up, learning about God, it wasn't that fun. So I'm going to make sure that it's God faith-based on some level. But the first thing we are going to address with young people is what does fun look like for you? Let's do that. And so I kind of filed that away in my head. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what that is, but that's what I want to do. 2018, um, I, we've been in the same neighborhood since we got to Dallas in 99. In 2018, so I, we know all the young people, well, a lot of them. My husband has piled them in the car. They go AAU, all this stuff, right? So you know the kids, you know the parents. And I open up Facebook. I just seen my girlfriend who lives across town. And we would, I'm going to pray for your son. You pray for my son. Okay, cool. We do this little Bible study together. And I just seen her son three days before. So I open up Facebook, I'm in Atlanta. I open up Facebook and I see his picture, her son, she lives across town and it said that he had been killed. And I, it was like time stopped. I was like, this, this can't be right. Then I looked at where he was killed, two blocks from my home and my heart dropped. Because in that moment, I was like, oh, somebody knows something. That neighborhood, we, you know you know your neighborhood. So I'm like, there's no way that a young man was shot in our area and somebody doesn't know something. But I couldn't shake the, the dread of the whole situation. So I got back here to Dallas and his mother obviously is distraught and she's saying what happened and you know, they're, they're the two young men involved. Nobody knows what happened and the police are, I mean, they're just scouring my neighborhood for a whole week. And for some reason I had, a, I was sick to my stomach. 
Let it out, let it out, breathe through it. Breathe through it. It was one of the children that we knew in the neighborhood. And he was, he never, he was around, you know, he never struck me as a kid that would shoot anybody, that would do anything. He was always a kid that came to me and said, hey, I wanna to go to college, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. And I remember just six months before he was in my house, he was washing dishes and he said to me, and I was shocked because it was like 15 boys in my house and they smelled horrible. They were just everywhere. And he was the only one, he was just cleaning up everything. And I sit and I, and I started cleaning with him. And he said, Miss Malani, we don't have anywhere to live right now. He said, but it's my senior year. I got to finish. He was like, um, I really want to go to college. And I said, I'll help you. You know, we'll fill out the FAFSA form. We'll get it done. And, you know, six months later, you know, and when he graduated, somebody in the neighborhood had given him a gun. From what I understand, I don't know the whole story. But a, some kind of fight broke out when this kid came on this side and there was drugs involved. But it devastated me. I mean, it just, to know both mothers, to know both children, to, it was just like, I just, I, I mean, I think I, all of 2018, I just, I wept constantly because I was just like, I couldn't get the weight of it off of my heart, the pain, you know, seeing this mother go through burying her son and this mother, that young man got 30 years. And, you know, he committed the crime. I don't, that is what it is, but you just don't want to see that for any child. And literally in that year, we lost three children, one in Arizona. She had told, she's a great student. She was a volleyball player, never in trouble. She comes and tells some guys, stop shooting up in the air because they were, you know, clowning and they, they weren't even supposed to be in the country. And that's not a diss to anybody. It's just the reality of the situation. She's 19 years old. They just shot her four times in the face. And this is my sister's best friend's daughter. And I'm just like, God, what is happening? So that comes and I'm like trying to process that. And then my son's friend comes in from, he's on leave from the Marines and they go to a party and somebody shoots into the party and out of the whole room full of people, they hit this kid in the head. 18 years old, was not in trouble, none of that. And I was just like, it was just, I, I was like, this is just too much. And my son, my oldest son, these were his friends. So he was just spiraling. Mm -hmm. He was at TCU at the time. He was trying to do, you know, he had got a walk on. He was trying to get it together. He could not get it together because he didn't, you know, we didn't know, like, don't let him go to school, put him in counseling. Yeah. You know, everything was school and football and he literally was a mess. He was just like, I'm watching my friends die. My grandmother comes into town from a graduation. She has a heart attack the day of my graduation. So we're not understanding the mental health of my son. And it was just like a ball of just pain. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it, but with that said, that is how the Fun Factory was born. That was the catalyst in 2019 where I was like, nope, I'm getting up. 
I know my purpose. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to get to these young people. I'm supposed to use every gift, every resource that I can to find the, the fun, yes, but to find ways to help them, to train them, to prepare them, to help them with mental health, to find a therapist, to find whatever they need um, to give them a chance in this earth. And so, like I said, the trials are, are hard, but the reward when I'm seeing the young people, the reward when I'm seeing somebody step up and say, I will make a donation. I'm like, oh, perfect. I need that for that kid over there. Or, you know, it's just, it's the most rewarding work I've ever done in my life. And it took me just to walk through all of that, of all of what I thought I wanted to do to what God wanted me to do. And, and I had to answer the call and, and get up. And those children, like I carry them in my heart. I carry Brett over here. He's with the Lord. And I carry Ariane right here. And I'm like, for every child out there, there's, there's, there's two right here that they didn't get that same opportunity. So let me, that's my, it, it motivates me. It gets me up. It makes me say, okay, you got to You got to keep going. You got to, you got to keep reaching them. You got to get on them and I'll get calls, you know, you know, they're dealing with suicidal thoughts and different things. And I just say, Lord, I can't do this by myself, but all I need is you to tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I know that you know what they need. So that's the story of the fun factory how it was born and that's what it is. Sometimes I just, I'm talking. And no, I love it so much. I, I think it's so powerful because in that I'm dissecting like, okay, as she's going through her life, like she knew she was a fantastic barber at 10 years old. She mm -hmm. loved everything about music. She got into the music industry and has worked with and still knows many of the top names that we know today winning Emmys yes. and all these things. And fast forward, she's lived the athlete's wife role and had the family and the kids. And now she's stepping into her passions, but there's something about being a mother that connects us like this nurture of, I want to help and take care of and protect and raise people. Right. So it's like, it took every step of the way, everything that you've gone through to get you to where you are now, where you understand the gifts and the talents that you were given your passions and your purpose and how to tie them all together for a greater mission, a greater why, one bigger than us and our vision, because it's a yes. high, a high vision that was implanted yes. and printed within yes. us that now we are using ourselves as a vessel to bring it to fruition. Yes. So yes. I love that you found that for you because there's there's a lot of people that are listening right now that are like, what is it for me? <laughs> I just want to highlight for you that you will find yours too. It, yes. it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but just focus on what you love. And like Milani said, it's not about just performing, performing and doing and doing and all these things really tune into what you love, what brings you joy and happiness, and then tie in those gifts with something that can impact as many people as possible, where it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like a calling. And every single day you wake yes. up and you're motivated and driven to doing it. And it's easy. It's effortless because it's your gifts just being utilized. Cause you're already doing it. That's the secret. Like, you know, I'm not trying to mess up anybody's conference <laughs> or coaching because I think that's important, but more than likely you're already doing it. And God is just setting the stage for her. 
the the bigger part of it and what will really feed you you know so yeah yeah you nailed it you nailed it now I want to highlight a couple of amazing things that you currently have going on outside of the fun factory I know that you're very big into the media company that you've established I know you're very very big into this course that you've created I believe it's called live with Milani right (laughs) yes or is it live with Milani live with Milani so I have Live with Milani, I have a podcast that's called Live with Milani, and we interview people. I kind of put it on hiatus for a second because Fun Factory was really busy busy last year, but I interview people. But Live with Milani, that is, and I'll use it for different things right now, I'm giving a basic course for independent artists. And I said, listen, here's 30 years. This is what I learned. And I learned it's the basics that really set the foundation for the success. So I spent a lot of money not knowing which questions to ask. I spent a lot of money not knowing if I had to put this in place and this in place. And there's so much that an artist can do themselves that people try to make it bigger than what it is or really expensive. And the music industry is not that complicated or any industry, because I think it applies to just business but it also applies to content creation, social media. It's just get the basics. You get the basics, you're on the way, you can do it yourself and it's the best money you'll spend. You know, there, and the book is free. So you, you, you want the book, give me an email, I'll send it to you. It's, it's like a little yeah. ebook, it's cool. Um, but the course, the course, what I did, I added to it um, by adding myself. So the course you get a one-on-one with me and I will you know, I'll walk with you through it. I'm going to assess your music or whatever you got going on. I'm going to give you my gifts, my talents, use it and go on your way. I hope it blesses you, helps you. And uh, it's just a course that, that, that I have. Um, my focus is not so much the course. My focus is, you know, get this information, you know, but I, I do a lot of things. So I've, I've got two television pilots that I'm working on. Um, you know, I, the, the media company is just my creative mind going. So I love film and the beautiful thing, everything that I do, it feeds back into the young people. So I get to exercise. So it's not just about everybody else. Cause I don't think that's the wise way to do it either. You have to remember you and what your dreams are. Cause you can get burnt out serving everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh you yeah. Will- don't do that. Like learn from me, write yourself a check too, you know? So, um, the media and all the things that I really love to do, I can pull young people in at any time and say, Hey, I'm working on a film. Let me go find five young people that I want to take on set and they can learn. So it, it, one feeds the other. So it, it, it feeds me and then I'm able to feed others. I love that so much. So if you're an independent artist or someone in the film yes. industry or anything creative and you want the, uh, the assistance and the mentorship by Milani yes. herself, go to livewithmilani.com and she will take care of you right there. Also her website's Milani Ismael. That's M-E-L-A-N-I. I-S-M-A-I-L.com. You can go ahead and contact her there through her contact us button and please follow her on social media. The big one, don't forget the big one. The fun, so fun, not the fun factory, I-N-T dot O-R-G. 
So Fun if you want to go to young people and you can see our programs, you can see everything we do. If you want to volunteer, you know, that's, that's my soft spot. You know, you want to donate games or consoles or anything you see on there that you can bless some young people. I'll take care of them. But funfactoryint.org is also the, the nonprofit. Beautiful. So please take a look at that and then follow her on Instagram. She has an incredible page with a lot of amazing content at Milani Ismael. Um, just stay in touch with her. This is an incredible woman. She knows her mission. She's out there bringing it to the (laughs) world and love and light so that we can go ahead and create a better tomorrow by helping out the future, which is our children. Milani, I am so appreciative of you being with us today on the podcast. I love your heart. I love your story and I appreciate your transparency and your vulnerability. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, no, thank you. This was such a blessing for me. Thank you so much. You are beautiful inside and out. And if you you need me, girl, you just call me. (laughs) Because I got a little age on you. I'll be like, what we doing? What we doing? I'll go. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to need your help with all the creatives. We'll work on the assets for this episode together. Lonnie, have such a great time. I love you, girl. Thank you so much. I love you too. Thank you. Blessings to your family and, and everything that you got going on. Thank you. Thank you so much, my friends. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Failing Forward with Niki Loesch. Please take a look at the show notes below where we're going to drop all of Milani's information, her website, funfactoryint.org, all the info that you need on how to contact Milani and a couple of giveaways that we're going to give to you today for listening in. Have a blessed day. We'll see you on another episode. Thank you. See you later.